Welcome to the new chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Here on the new chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as careers, community research, and COVID nineteen. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest this morning is His Excellency Sidney Colley, the Bahamian Ambassador to the United States and Permanent Representative to the OAS Embassy and Permanent Mission of the Bahamas. Thanks for joining me this morning. It is so good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. His Excellency Sidney Colley, the Bahamian Ambassador to the United States and permanent representative to the OAS Embassy and Permanent Mission of the Bahamas, is an accomplished scholar, lawyer, minister, and author. Ambassador Colley was appointed ambassador to the United States of America, permanent representative to the Organization of American States, and non-resident ambassador to Mexico, Colombia, and Malaysia on October 1st, 2017. He presented his credentials to the OAS on the 15th of November, 2017, and to the President of the United States of America on the 29th of November, 2017. Please welcome His Excellency, Sidney Collins. Good morning, Mr. Collie. Thank you again for joining me. How are you today? Very well. Um, thanks for having me. Good, good. So let's get started. What have been your long-standing interests in the field of the development or national development of the Bahamas? Well, it seems like you are asking for a little antecedent. Um, my original plan was to become a teacher. Okay which I did. I attended the San Salvador Teachers College, which eventually morphed into the University College of Bahamas and University of Bahamas, uh, and obtained a teacher diploma from that institution um, in collaboration with the University of the West Indies, and taught uh, throughout the family islands for many years, before I obtained a scholarship from the government to attend the University of Miami to pursue education. So I did a bachelor's and a master's in education, returned to the Bahamas where I work at many schools uh, in the secondary education division and became a high school principal. But didn't stay in education very long. I stayed for additional five years and then in 1984, I left and went uh, to law school uh, and have been practicing law, practice law for about 30 years. My, as a family island boy, uh, our options in the 60s and the 70s were limited. But my father was a police officer for 35 years. My mother was a postal worker. 
and uh, they gave public service uh, for their entire life. And it was the natural role model for many of us, seven children to follow, all of whom entered the public service, either at the police force, the defense force, teaching and law and government, um, or uh, other areas of the public service. So it is, uh, um, it has always been a part of my immediate family to give service to the country. And so I serve as a teacher and a principal. I serve in the parliament as a senator and as a member of parliament and as a cabinet minister. And now on my second stint as an ambassador, I served previously as the ambassador to CARICOM and Latin American states and for the last three years as the ambassador of the Bahamas to the United States and the permanent representative to the Organization of American States. And so my life, working life outside of college uh, has been public service. And I would count my 30 plus years as a practicing attorney, 15 of which was spent in family law and uh, criminal law, and about 17 years was spent on corporate commercial practice and land law. And even as a business owner and a practicing attorney, I regard my service as service to the country. So you can say it's been a life of service to the Bahamas. Okay, it's very commendable, it's very good. Um, uh, Your Excellency, how do you maintain a view of the bigger picture in your political and legal and educational careers? And how have you maintained the bigger picture in life in general? Amidst all that's going on, whether you face challenges or, challenges or obstacles, how have you maintained view of the bigger picture? Well, that's a good question. It's another wide ranging question. Uh, but I will begin by saying, uh, you have to know who you are. And at some point in your early life, either as a teenager or in your early 20s, you ought to fashion in your mind, uh, which, I, which I did, what course you want to take. You know, Robert Frost says the road not taken. And so you go down this path and there are many options, but you must decide when you reach the juncture which road you're going to take. And I decided on public service. Well, there's been a combination of public service, including politics and law. And so that's how it began. But you, oh, you must also have a religious base. Uh, I am an ordained minister. I'm not sure you knew that. And uh, I got my early uh, uh, spiritual and religious grounding back in Betsy Bay, Maguana as a boy, where I was made to learn how to play the organ. I played the organ in church and became involved in church life. And even though I roam far and wide, uh, visiting virtually every continent, in the world, 
uh, and uh, uh, spend a lot of time in universities where your faith is challenged and uh, the instruction is sometime, uh, the, the uh, educational instruction is sometime, uh, makes you question your faith. I have remained grounded. And so my wide ranging perspective is one of spiritual grounding and knowing at an early age what I wanted to do. And despite many obstacles, not diverting from the course that I set out for myself. And so at this stage in my life, as I look back, I can say uh, with very little uh, doubt that I'm happy with the path I chose and, and, and the work, the body of work which I've done for my lifetime. That's, that's very good. Um, as well, uh, as we continue, how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of politics, law, or national development in the Bahamas? How would you say you've been adaptive or creative in any way as you work throughout your career? Uh, well, with regards to politics, uh, it's an evolving, inexact uh, okay. profession. And a different stage of my political career, I made uh, contributions uh, based on where I found myself, based on where the country found itself, and based on the socioeconomic issues prevailing in the country at those times. Okay. I, I serve as a constituency chairman uh, in the Carmichael constituency for seven years. I serve as a vice chairman in the uh, political party, the Free National Movement for many years. And then in 1992, I was appointed to the Senate where I served for five years. I was elected deputy leader of the Free National Movement in opposition when we lost and chairman of the Free National Movement uh, when we won under my chairmanship. And so when, when it comes, and of course I serve in the cabinet as a minister and serve in the parliament as a member of parliament. So it is fair to say that when you add it all up, uh, I have been in the right place at the right time and uh, was prudent enough to seize the opportunities that were available to make a contribution uh, and, and a life-fulfilling uh, obligation that I put upon myself. That's the politics. With regard to the law, I, it is fair to say I, I, I sauntered into the law out of necessity. I left teaching when my young family started to grow. Okay. I was the breadwinner and the salary was very small. Uh, so my family grew very quickly. I have four children within the space of six, uh, eight years. Okay. And the salary uh, couldn't cut it. Okay. So I, I, I made a great sacrifice to go to law school and uh, was successful after four years. Uh, I was called to the bar. And um, 
but that did not stop me from teaching. I, I continued to teach uh, at the University of the Bahamas as a part-time lecturer while I studied law, while, while I practiced law during the day. And so, uh, and of course I remain grounded and, and uh, involved in my church life. So that's the, that's the sort of mosaic of the picture. Okay. okay, that's good. So amidst all of your responsibilities and accomplishments, how have you maintained a balanced life? A balanced life? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that's... Have uh, in regard to what I said previously, if you are grounded, yes, sir. Uh, in whatever area that you determine is for you, and you're comfortable with your space, and you are satisfied that the contributions you are making uh, in the various and the different avenues of life. It's bring, it brings satisfaction to you, and you feel that you're making a valuable contribution. And the feedback that you are getting from others tell you that you are impacting lives and making a difference. Then you continue. Uh, there's no need to fix it if it isn't broken. Exactly. And so if uh, the niche which you have cut out or crafted for yourself uh, is achieving the objectives you are coming, achieving the objectives you wish for yourself, for your family, for your community and for your country uh, is, is, uh, is moving in the right direction, uh, then you are being creative you are being productive, uh, and you are making a difference. Okay, that's good. Um, as well as in your political career and in your legal career, how have you maintained vision and teamwork in your environment? Well, uh, anyone you speak to yes, sir. who knows me well will tell you that I am a good team player. Okay. I'm a team, I am I am a team player and I I uh, I've regarded myself as a consensus builder. As a matter of fact, a previous a colleague of mine uh, uh, in the uh, MBA, I, I did a master's in business as well. As you know, if you look at my resume, I've I spent a lot of time in school. So one of my MBA students met me the other day, a colleague, and said, we remember you in those tutorial groups. Uh, there was a particular course in uh, data uh, analytics uh, and uh, dealt, was dealing with quite a lot of numbers and formulas. Okay. And there was always a big fight in the tutorials, a small group, and she reminded me, she said, you were the one who was always the peacemaker, always trying to bring consensus. 
and I and I and I remind myself I, I didn't remember because uh, those classes were many years ago, 30, 25, 30 years. Uh, but it reminds me that uh, over the years in politics, uh, in my practice of, of the law, uh, I have been a consensus builder. As a matter of fact, when I used to practice family law and did quite a lot of divorces. Okay. Uh, I always tried to persuade my client, whether that client was the petitioner, the person applying for the divorce, or the respondent, the person uh, uh, who was on the other side. I always tried to persuade them not to go through the divorce, to look for ways to save the marriage. Okay. And, uh, a lawyer's job, and for the most part, is to represent his client and to get what his client wants. And many of my lawyer colleagues said to me, you are, instead of making money, you are trying not to make money by trying to settle this. You're not a social worker. But that has been the story of my life. Um, if, uh, if, if you can settle matters peacefully and amicably, it's always better to do that. Uh, because at the end of the day, while no person gets what they want, everybody winds up with a win-win situation. So, all in all, in politics, in uh, my family, in, in the practice of the law, even as a teacher and a, an a, an administrator, that has been my modus operandi. Okay. So, in terms of your legal career, why did you choose law as a field to major in? Actually, I didn't major in law uh, when I went. I came to law as a mature student. I okay. entered legal training at the age of 84. Oh, okay. And I entered teacher's college at the age of 17. Wow. So uh, a good 17, 18 years of my life uh, uh, was what I majored in. I majored in education, and I even, I even um, did a master's in, in, in business before I decided to go into law. And I've already told you the reason why I went into law. I went into law because uh, the income in education was not cutting it. You know, and I admire men, or, or obviously uh, women, uh, many, many, many women uh, take control of the educational system and uh, they are the majority of the educators in the Bahamas and, and I'm discovering even here in the United States, uh, the, the majority of educators are women. But I admire men, in particular, who stay in the education system, despite the financial and other challenges. Because the education system, particularly for teenage boys, need the role model of men in the system. And I'm not taking anything away from uh, women. Uh, because without them, there would be no system. But there, that, that brings a balance. And so sometimes, in reflection, I ask myself, 
what kind of a difference and how much of a difference could I have made had I stayed 100% in the education system. But that's water under the bridge. I took the road that I took and I'm satisfied with, uh, with, my, with my contributions. Yes, I would say you're making a substantial contribution. Also, do you have any advice for those wanting to pursue the field you are currently working in? Yes. I'm working now as a diplomat. As I've indicated, I am the Bahamas ambassador to the United States of America, uh, situated in Washington, DC, and a permanent representative of, of the Organization of American States. So I have a bilateral function and a multilateral function. The Organization of the American States, OAS, is an assembly of 34 independent countries in Latin America, the Caribbean, including the United States, Canada, and Mexico. And uh, it's a body uh, similar to the United Nations that deal with hemispheric issues. And of course, the job I do as the ambassador to the United States and the non-resident ambassador to Mexico and Colombia is on a bilateral basis where I look out for the interest and benefits of the Bahamas in the United States with the United States government and Capitol Hill at the White House and the various agencies of the government. And the same thing with Mexico and Colombia. In order to reach the level of an ambassador where I am, uh, which is a very senior position, uh, persons are entering a career can aspire to that position, but ought to choose a path which will lead to that position. And many career foreign service officers who work for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, starting out as a cadet and then moving through the various levels of the foreign service, are working someday to aspire to be an ambassador. For persons who are not in the foreign service or not in the Ministry of foreign affairs, or maybe not even in government, uh, like myself, who came from the private sector and many ambassadors from the private sector and from politics, must have a rich and rewarding life, uh, must stay out of trouble, because when I was nominated to become an ambassador to the United States, I was vetted uh, by the Bahamas government and also by the United States government and all of its agencies. And so to be serving in this position, uh, you must have a rich life, a varied life with certain accomplishments, and you must reach a certain level of maturity and knowledge. But this is the end of the road. 
The beginning of the road comes with the choices one makes at the very beginning of one's career. And so one decides that he or she wants to pursue diplomacy and international relations. Of course, when you go to college, you would select a, 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 a major, a discipline, which will propel you in that direction. And in the liberal arts colleges, there are many choices. Or if you uh, choose, like I did, to select education or some other discipline, um, just pursue, perform uh, in that area in your ordinary life to the best of your ability, giving it all you can and continue to excel. And in due course, opportunities will present themselves. And the final question, Mr. Colley, I have for you is, what has been, if you were to sum it up in short, what has been some of the most beneficial advice you have received? Well, when I was getting on that mail boat and Betsy Bay Maguana in 1968, okay. to go off to the San Salvador Teachers College at the age of 17, my grandmother stood on the rock and waved to me and said, take the name of Jesus with you wheresoever you go. Of course, the night before, my grandfather and my father and mother uh, gave me my final charge. Don't forget your home teaching. Don't forget your modest upbringing. Don't forget the commitment that you've made to yourself, to your God, and to your country. And if you follow those home teachings, uh, those have been my guiding light, and there have been uh, many other advice given to me along the way. Uh, too many, some of which I have followed, some of which I have not. But the ones given to me by Moses Colley, my deceased grandfather, and Anna Colley, and my Edith Colley, my deceased mother, and Stanley Colley, my deceased father, all deceased, are uh, what sustained me and have sustained me throughout my career. Those advice are the same advice which I've given my children. Okay. Thank you so much, Mr. Colley. You are very welcome. It's been a pleasure interview, interviewing you. And uh, if I if I may say, I want to wish you, as a young Bahamian uh, in the diaspora, uh, in another area of uh, your uh, academic and hopefully business career, uh, wishing you all the best. Thank I know you. you have a bright future. I this is not the first time I've chatted with you. I am impressed with your standing. And wishing you all the best of Godspeed. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. Thank you.